Welcome to season four of the Retail Tea Break podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge and give you an insight into the retail industry. So grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax and listen in to season four of the Retail Tea Break podcast. So today's episode of the Retail Tea Break podcast is sponsored by Vision All, driving retail revenues through Shopper Insights. I'm joined by a guest who has a groundbreaking retail analytics solution with a product that was created right here in Ireland to empower bricks and mortar retailers with Shopper Insights, typically available to e-commerce companies. So today's guest is focused on bridging the gap between online and traditional retail, shaping the future of Shopper data-driven success. These revolutionary shopper insights enable retailers to optimize their marketing, operations, and stores in order to boost revenues. Oren Mulvey, founder and director of Vision R, welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. I'm delighted to be here. So I'm a kind of longtime listener, so it's nice to finally be on the show. Oh, I'm delighted to have you because I am fascinated by this product. And I think I've become more and more fascinated talking to you and the team over the last few weeks. There is so much you can do. And I think there's going to be so many retailers, you know, whether that's owners or even store managers. And I think that's the key point here that we'll talk about. There's so much for them. So look, in the age old tradition of the Retail Tea Brick podcast, in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which I'm reliably informed is about two minutes. Tell us a little bit about you and the business. Yeah, of course. So uh, I incorporated the company back in 2017 with my co-founder and still business director, uh, Shane O'Sullivan. So he was always focused on cloud architecture and computer science for airlines. And I was more kind of academic with uh, marketing, market research and data analytics. And the two of us kind of started under a different value proposition in the early days where we were building skeletal tracking cameras, attaching them to video walls. And basically, as people would walk past the likes of Arna to Brown Thomas, they'd appear as snowmen on screen. And it was supposed to be a real pull advertisement. Everything was, you know, Arna's branded and I was supposed to get kids and parents involved. So that was great. But it wasn't a very scalable business. Marketing teams generally would argue over the shape of snowflakes. They didn't want the same one as the other retailer has. Oh, so, uh, it was taking us a long time to build each one of those. So then we kind of pivoted toward uh, media. And we basically started to attach our cameras to digital out-of-home media pods to try and bring the same sort of online metrics you would have for digital advertisements to the offline space because over 50% of all ad spend was an out-of-home. That was fantastic, but you know there was a lot of different players in the industry. You had the brand, and you had the creative agencies, and the planning agencies, and the out of home agencies. And then we were kind of at the end, so it was kind of the tail trying to wag the dog. And then we made our final pivot, thankfully, uh, to retail at the start of 2020. Uh, we, you know, spent many years doing real world lab tests with retailers, shopping centers, pharmacies, trying to fit our technology to a physical retail premises. And right when we were ready to kind of start selling at the start of 2020, COVID landed. And we had this great facial detection product and technology and everyone put a mask on and retailers shut their doors. So it's a very interesting and nerve wracking time as you can imagine. But now looking back on it, I always say that it's actually one of the best things that ever happened to us as a company. Because at the time we were trying to grow, expand, explode. And, you know, we weren't really productizing Vision R for the retailer. The first thing was actually to use our data, whether it be head office or store managers. We were kind of just throwing ones and zeros and data at people. So COVID slowed us down. We got to focus on case studies and really productizing, improving our insights. 
And now off the back of COVID, you know, we're growing 15% month on month and we're across Ireland, the UK, Europe, and all different retail verticals from FMCG to fashion to DIY. So it's a very interesting time. Wow. Do you know what? I'm, a lot of retailers, we know COVID was hard and I don't want to kind of labor on this point, mm-hmm. but retail's obviously changed an awful lot over the last kind of three, four years. And it just feels like you were ready and positioned and waiting to get there. So in that respect, right now, today in 2023, what do you do? (laughs) It's a good question. Uh, So look, where the concept and the value proposition really comes from is that online e-commerce retailers have huge volumes of shopper data. When you go onto their sites, they know who you are, what you looked at, what you didn't, what leads to a purchase and what doesn't. And they can make small incremental changes through A-B testing marketing or layouts or products to make sure they're optimizing their store for the maximum amount of customer satisfaction and uh, revenues. Yeah, and And that's interesting because I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Oren, but obviously the last three, four years, because of COVID, because we were all almost staying at home, there's been such a focus for retailers Mm -hmm. on each one of those little things that you've mentioned. They've had to invest. They've had to get it right. They've had to keep Mm -hmm. pushing for it. So that focus has purely been on that revenue stream, but also that channel. 100% and about 90% of shopper data is focused on e-commerce and 80% of global sales take place in store. So it's funny that all the sales are coming through the physical channel, but all the investment was going into the online. I think now that kind of idea and those ideals are shifting, which is good for us, because our whole value proposition is to bring those online insights to brick and mortar retailers. And we do that through an IoT device that we've created that's called the Scout. It's a camera with a small computer. Uh, it's completely frictionless, so it's plug and play. There's no IT integrations, nothing for the retailer to do. We can get a store online in 30 minutes. And that device breaks down 100% of shoppers anonymously into their individual data points. So footfall, if they're traveling alone or in a group, uh, the age and gender of every single shopper, the shop duration, product engagement, conversion rates, penetration rates. And then we also tie in seamlessly with the retailer's uh, POS system so we can understand what leads to a sale and what doesn't. And we can also understand, you know, what does the basket of a 20-year-old male look like versus the basket of a 40-year-old female? The grief. And it's not often I'm left speechless on this podcast. It would defeat the point of having it, but... There literally isn't anything, it sounds, that this this kit can't do. Because as you say, listening to you describing all the different things, all the different KPIs that you can capture, Mm -hmm. it's mirroring everything that anyone listening now that runs an e-com shop or is invested in, you know, their version of their e-com and they know and understand the analytics. It literally sounds like you're mirroring it. But this is with the physical shopper where we know more of the money's coming from. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, traditionally, I would say, you know, there has been some technologies in the market, like maybe something legacy, like a footfall counter, or maybe Wi-Fi beacons. And obviously, every retailer has point of sale. But typically, you know, if a shopper spends 20 minutes in a store, the last one minute might be captured to the point of sale system. And the first 19 minutes are a black box. And, you know, it's very difficult to impact the shopper journey. And, you know, get more items in a basket or just increase customer satisfaction if you can't understand those first 19 minutes. So what we're all about is understanding the entire shopper journey from the minute they come in store, the minute they make their purchase and leave. And we make all of that available in real time to the retailer through our app or reports so they can either affect their marketing. And the the example I always give is obviously it's in store. So a lot of the focus is in store, you know, staffing, layouts, products, planograms, marketing. But even actually online, 
you know, one of the typical use cases we would see is marketing attribution. If I spend 50,000 euro in Dublin city center targeting 18, 24 year olds, uh, typically, you know, I hope that increases sales, but it's very hard to actually measure. What we can say is, are more 18, 24 year olds coming in than usual? What products they engaging with? And what does it mean for additional revenues? So we can actually tie the offline behavior to the in-store activities. And that's like the little missing piece of the puzzle, which is fascinating though. And actually, it's interesting you mentioned marketing because thinking about this then, lots of data, loads of insights from all kinds of levels within that physical space. But we're not talking about this just being read or the data being read or used by the C-suite, which is fairly typical, or even the IT department, which of course I know nothing about, but this is for everyone in the business by the sounds of it. Yeah, 100%. So when we actually started to design the product back in, you know, 2018, 2019, doing all these lab tests, development, banging our heads against the wall, our concept was to give it to the likes of, you know, a diesel fashion or spar, and they would use it to manage, you know, all 400 locations, track every shopper live up to two minutes, influence their marketing, their operations, their trading and their buying. What we realized over time was actually the solution is so out of box and so frictionless to the customer. And then our data is so transversible for every type of retailer that we can also sell to the retailer on the street who's got one site or obviously give it to the managers who are managing these locations for the day-to-day operations. Labor churn at the moment is obviously an issue for every single retailer on the planet, regardless of region or vertical. And they're even using our information to say, okay, if I have four people out at lunch and my conversion's 80%, which is our usual, but then if I reduce it to three people, you know, is the conversion, is there any change? Or is three people actually enough to manage that lunchtime rush? And they can use it for, like I said, you know, operations or uh, any other elements. So it's definitely not a head office tool. It's definitely trickled down to the entire organization. It's department agnostic, vertical agnostic, and user agnostic. And it, that's that's really interesting because I suppose, look, having come from shop floor and frontline mm-hmm. retail, I suppose the traditional metrics we would have used to staff would be, well, your footfall counter, what's footfall like on a Tuesday lunchtime every mm-hmm. week or whatever, or the month of July? Um, mm-hmm. And obviously your sales. But what you're doing is you're filling in the picture that, yeah, mm-hmm. footfall might be coming in. And you might know that from that old fashioned little tracker that you'll have on your door. But you mm-hmm. fill in the gaps and the bits of the jigsaw between people coming and going, but also whoever's paying. So really, if you do have four people on, on a Tuesday lunchtime, you can utilize them so much more because you can always be sure of where in the shop they need to be to really kind of make the best use of them and to boost the revenue. I think as well, and uh, one thing that our system is very strong and as well, which definitely wouldn't be done by other legacy technologies is identifying potential revenue. So we can do that in two methods. One is that 10 people came in, two walked out. If the average spend is 30 euro, within 60 euros walking out every single minute and not being captured, what can we action to try and capture that? And then also because we understand the profile and the purchase together, we can say, well, if your average spend is 50 euro, why are males under the age of 35 only spending 25 euro? What actions can you take through staffing, product placement and promotions to see if you're getting more money in their basket? So I think being able to actually quantify that potential revenue for the store managers and then head office means that once it can be measured, it can actually be actioned. And sometimes that action captures more of that spend and that's great. Sometimes the action doesn't capture that spend. And that in, that in itself is an insight because you know that, look, you know, Instagram ads versus Facebook ads, unfortunately, don't capture more of that spend. So it's not the next activity. 
and that's great to hear as well I work an awful lot with um, retail skills now and the apprenticeship program and I train an awful lot of our frontline retailers and I think for them especially the senior kind of supervisors even store managers <laughs> it's great to be able to back up their what they need you know their points maybe their asks with the <laughs> data which obviously is what you can provide and by the sounds of it it's almost instant it's brilliant yeah, and like we've got case studies with SPAR approving a 12% uplift in sales and, you know, 25x ROI for the system. And it's from very low-touch actions. The technology is low-touch in terms of, you know, it requires no IT resources, whether it's, you know, a mom and pop's location on the street or head office. Neither of them really have the spare IT resources to onboard something complicated. So it's frictionless in that aspect. And then, yeah, a lot of the actions that the retailers come up with off the back of the data are frictionless. The example with Spar was reshuffling the planogram on their three-week promotional cycles. So it kind of mitigates promotion fatigue and uh, that increased sales by 12% across the board. So there's these very low-touch actions off the back of them, as well as the day-to-day -day usage for operations, labor, and marketing, you know, that can all help to boost sales. I love that. And I love the fact as well, like it is a planning tool like you really can mm -hmm. you've mentioned it we know there's a staffing crisis for retail here and abroad but actually if you can trust the data which you can because of course it becomes historic then you really can plan ahead in the proper way um but I have two and they're niggling me I have two questions um the first one and everyone that's listening will know this for sure because I talk about it all the time I am not a tech expert um I love frontline retail you know that most people do but in that respect, and I know you alluded to it earlier, but for anyone listening who, like me, doesn't get this stuff, how does it actually work? Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, you know, when we were getting started off in the early days, we looked at other things in the market and we said, oh, you know, there's football. It, that's obviously great. It's adaptable, but there's not a lot of data. Mm. And then you've other things, though, like trying to leverage CCTV to understand age and gender and that in itself, you know, we're not really CCTV experts. It's weird with privacy. There's a lot of memory. So why don't people just put a device into retail? That seems like the obvious, uh, the obvious answer. The answer why people don't is because it's a nightmare. There's power fluctuations, internet problems. People put up decorations in front of them during yeah. Christmas and all these other things. So we spent many years in development of the actual models that we use and many years developing the hardware. And essentially, from a simple aspect, we have this device, which is a camera, a small computer and a power cable. It's very small, so it doesn't take up a lot of space even in the ceiling. Uh, that just requires power to function. And then we use what's, what's called edge processing, which means that we train models. So a model to understand footfall, a model to understand people traveling together, a model to understand age, gender, dwell time. And we train those models to live on the device locally. And then basically, if it's set up at the entrance, as somebody walks into the store, our device will see them. It won't save the photos or videos, but it'll run the models over a live image and it'll say, oh, you know, looks like a person traveling alone, looks like a man, looks like they're 25 to 30. And then it'll basically track them 15 times a second every second they're in frame. So people often ask us about the accuracy. So if we say, if it was guessing once, it's probably high 80s, but considering it's going to guess somebody 45 times in, a, in three seconds, it's getting fairly accurate with its guesses. Right. And then uh, all that information, then that, that, metadata is what's actually saved and sent off the device to our cloud platform. And then I think a big difference for our solution as well as there's a real death by data, uh, you know, kind of attitude in the market. Oh, great. Here comes more data. And I would say 99% of our customers have 
a football counter or a loyalty card system and all this data building up that nobody's reading. Yeah. So I suppose the next kind of unique element to our system is we've really fantastic AI in the background that pre-process the information and just focus on delivering the insights. So it's not ones and zeros or it's not, you know, the 600 people over there. God only knows what they're doing. We focus on the actual actionable insights that that retailer can then look at, understand, compare versus the benchmark, and then take action to see if they're increasing revenues. And then we'll also say if they are or aren't based off of that action. So that's, I suppose, from a top line view, how our technology operates. And I think genuinely that's the difference because everyone listening will know those old fashioned football counters. But Look, I I don't, and you certainly don't, I don't want to make store managers' lives any more hectic than it already is. They already do too much. But if you can literally deliver them the insights, as you say, in in the black and white, as opposed to pulling figures from here, there and everywhere, mm-hmm. of course, they're going to utilize it. So I'm not surprised that the likes of Spa that you mentioned there are really, they've taken this, they've run with it, it's increased their revenue, which is phenomenal. Um, But to come back to point there, so we've talked about this kind of, camera thingy and again forgive my kind of tech terminology we know there's one above the jaw but is that Mm -hmm. the only one then in a store so that's a really good question so basically we can place as many of these as needed so for the likes of fashion customers like diesel we'd have one at the entrance and the till for spar you'd have it at the entrance the till and their top performing category and the difference between those areas is the entrance is going to capture 100 percent of revenue comes in going to give you store-wide metrics the top performing category is so we can say if 33% of the sales are coming from the off-license, uh, we want to understand what's happening there. Who's buying? Who's not buying? Why are certain profiles attracted to certain products? Can we create promotions to increase spend? And the till scout, the scout being our device, that is what lets us marry the profiles to baskets. So you can search, you know, what are 25-year-old males buying? Uh, this is the t- typical basket, the complementary items, the average spend, or you can search for a product. So you can say, okay, Diageo products, I'm going to look at Guinness and Guinness Zero. Who is buying that? So over the 400 sites that we have, who's purchasing that item? And uh, that's where a lot of the potential revenue comes from, because I know of our average transaction value, once again, is burnt. 13 euro in a spar, you know, how can we get an extra five euro into these different profiles baskets? Wow. It does. It sounds so simple. And so you mentioned the Scout, which is the mm-hmm. the tech bit of kit, as I keep calling it. Um, <laughs> it sounds quite different to what a lot of people listening would know. That kind of idea. And again, probably around, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I certainly mm-hmm. remember it being talked about. This whole idea of beacon technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the, I suppose the thing about retail analytics is that it's a very noisy industry. And, you know, everyone's... You know, it's kind of a misconception. We often get into the boardroom, I'd say, that people say, is this another beacon or is it yeah. like this? Is it like that? And even, you know, football counters have come up today. It's kind of, I suppose, the next generation of all those uh, technologies put together. You know, beacons and Wi-Fi could be do a bit of positioning, maybe some loyalty data. Footfalls mean you footfall and conversion. And some newer technologies which leverage CCTV, they might give you age and gender. And I think what they're all lacking is this full shopper journey data. So all of those kind of live in their own silo. Great. I know the age and gender, but I don't know what they're buying or what they could have bought. The footfall, I know my conversion, but who's not buying? How can I increase it? And the beacons now have been kind of phased out over time. So the real difference for Vision R is that one, 
that frictionless onboard for the retailer. So no IT integration, nothing yeah. crazy. The idea you can just of go in the store and be online. Yeah. Massively plug and play. Uh, secondly, is we're delivering much more data. So all those technologies combined, we'd still be delivering more data points on the shopper in the store itself. And then most importantly, it's all real time. It's all actionable insight. So it's in a format that's as easy for, you know, a store manager to read, no need for a data scientist. And then, you know, head office can use it to manage 500 locations as easy as they can use it to manage five. Good grief. So that's another interesting point, because you mentioned earlier about the fact that, look, if you've got an independent, you're a standalone store, this absolutely works. Um, you've obviously mentioned Spar a few times where, and everyone will know that, have shops all over the country. There's so, loads of them. So in that respect, it doesn't matter whether you're buying for one store, you still have that same level of analytics and, in, you know, actionable insights, which is so easy to use and so important. But actually, if you have a group, if you have more than one, you're obviously then able, I presume, to collate all that information from your various stores and kind of maybe then, I presume, again, figure out what's going on, what's working in either a, a location or how maybe against each other they're, they're trading. Yeah, 100%. So like I said, we actually got started off with head office tools. So we're in DIY, hardware, FMCG, fashion, food, all across Ireland, the UK and Europe. And well, one, obviously from a head office perspective, it's, you know, say marketing, nationwide campaigns. Well, how is that affecting my different stores? If I've got different store segmentations that attract a different type of shopper and different type of shopper spend, are the nationwide marketing campaigns as effective there versus super localized campaigns? And then also to go to the actual managers in the stores, we'll allow them to do global peer insights. So if I'm in, you know, 400 stores and I want to actually show my manager their store's information, how do people are winning off the street? What's the conversion? What's the spend? I also want to show all my managers in the greater Dublin area you know, what the typical footfall is, what the typical conversion rate is, how long people spend in store and the ATV. So the managers can actually see versus their peers in the same brand, how their store is measuring up to see, are they on par? Are they doing something more? Or are they doing something a little bit less? And they need to action that. And that's great. And again, as you said, this is quick stuff. This isn't because I have fears and I'm getting flashbacks as you're talking of like scrolling through data on a screen or that's been printed off for me that I haven't got time to be really honest to read because no. I'm running around a store doing other things. And it's the same for head office employees right now. So it's great that you do all the work. Let's be really blunt here. You guys do the work. You're delivering the insights that are ready to be actioned. Um, and that seems to take the difference. But also I love the idea then that you've You've taken all that random information from all those silos, which again, over the years, I know how time consuming it is to start pulling from this system and that system and even reading a football counter, which I know most of them are automated now and that's fine, but we don't have time anymore. So this literally seems to pull everything together, but deliver it to you in such a simplified, easy to use format. Yeah. And like, so I'd say on an average basis, you know, obviously C-suite level individuals and head office, you know, we obviously have the app, which is live, view every single site, select individual stores up into the minute, but we also send them automated reports. So unfortunately on a C-suite level executive, don't like to log into something. So we send them one page reports. We can basically collate all the information from 200 stores into 10 metrics they want to see nationwide on a sheet. Wow. So they can carry that into their team meeting on a Tuesday morning. The managers in the stores can keep the app open all day on their desktop or even their mobile device. 
to see how the metrics are shaping up versus the exact same hour from the same day last week. Are we on par? Or is something wrong? Is the category over or underperforming? And then we've even sent texts out in the past, you know, like area managers in a fashion brand, they might look after seven stores. So in a Monday morning, they get a text to their phone for last week saying how each of the stores measured up in terms of footfall, conversion, time spent, profile, and spend. So we're very flexible, not only in the way that we set up the devices, we're also flexible in the way that we deliver data. Because even though our, our technology is doing the same thing for every single retail premises, every organization is slightly differently. So we map it to them. You really are meeting the needs of your customer, aren't you, by the sounds that you're communicating in the way they need it, not in the way that you kind of want to deliver it, which is, which again is very different right now. But look, um, kind of second last question, and it would be remiss of me not to go there because I'm sure people are thinking it as we talk. Um, consumer, privacy, huge issue right now. It doesn't matter what sort of tech they're looking at. So should the consumer be worried about privacy when it comes to vision or, and actually even from a retail perspective, should they be mm -hmm. concerned that their consumers are a little bit worried about this stuff right now? Yes, look, this is a really good question. And when we were first developing the technology all the way back in 2017, obviously our whole focus was how can we create a solution that can derive meaningful, rich shopper insights from 100% of shoppers in a privacy-conscious manner? So not a very easy task, as you can imagine. And at that time, privacy regulations had just come into law. But that was actually to our benefit because we never built a technology that wasn't privacy-conscious that we had to pivot to. From the get-go, we have to build it that way. So the first thing I'll say is that we are GDPR compliant and we collect no personal, personally identifiable shopper data. How we do that is something I referenced earlier on in the conversation, yeah. which is um, edge processing. So back in the day, some legacy systems that would have been in America, they would use facial recognition. They would have seen Melissa's face, taken a picture of us, held it in memory and looked oh. for you again to say, ah, oh, Melissa's gone from A to B. And, you know, even though they don't know that that's Melissa, your image and your mm. picture is your personal information. So the way ours works is that it takes no photos or videos. It processes a live video stream. And the only thing that comes at the back of that is the anonymized metadata. And that's what saved and sends. So I always say to people, even if someone managed to tear one of these things off the ceiling, run home, get past all the layers of security, all it would say is that 2,000 people were here today. Here's the age and gender of each one of them. And, you know, this was the kind of behavior they had in store. And even if I were to go back to the same store every single day at 9.02 and buy the exact same thing, it would never know that it's me or Mulvey or even the same shopper. It would be a male, 25 to 30, and this is what they bought. We're basically all about using 100% of the crowd data to boost revenues. And, you know, loyalty card data and some other methodologies are obviously fantastic personalized information. But it's personalized information on 20% of your audience. We're all about rich shopper data on 100%, but in an anonymized fashion. And that's that's really good, I think, to clear up and to talk about because there is mm -hmm. that fear right now. But by the sounds of it, as you said, they're never going to know it's me. They they might track what I'm shopping and spending, but no one can ever tell anyone about that, which is really lovely to hear. And I think it it just gives that it just gives that clarity because again I think there's mm -hmm. an awful lot of confusion out there you know as to what this sort of tech is and how it's used and to how kind of my privacy has been exploited but it's not at all by the sound and I think that's very clear and it's really good to make that point. Yeah and I think as well you know um, the only ever danger I suppose is the misconception of our technology you know yeah. like if you go onto a website or if you stop and give a one minute survey in the street 
they have more personal information than you that we can ever possibly have. You know, our information is completely anonymized and we've gone on TV, radio, newspapers, podcasts, and we've spoken about this, you know, very uh, forthcomingly since about 2018. And we've never had any negative feedback from it. And I think it's because once it's understood, they understand how anonymous the information is. But even while being anonymous, there's a huge amount of value for retail organizations to understand just where is there a problem in store? Where is there an opportunity to make more revenues? And how are my shoppers interacting with my layout? And can I make it a better experience for them? So there's a way to have it, you know, not infringe on people's privacy and add a huge amount of value to the retailer. And luckily we found that sweet spot. And it sounds so exciting. It really does. God, I hate to ask this question then, Oren. Final question. Um, what's coming up? And God only knows how you're going to answer this. What's coming up for you and the business over the next six months? Yeah, look, it's been a very exciting six months. Like I said, we've been kind of doing 50% month-on-month growth. Uh, we've been working with new retail verticals that we never have before. So homewares, furniture, DIY. We're now looking at fresh foods. While typically in the past, obviously, we had a huge focus on FFCG. We're already now working in Ireland, the UK, Netherlands, and Lithuania. So I think in the next six months, we'll be looking at new regions and new verticals that we can move into. There's also a huge focus to continue expanding our technology. Right now, we feel that we've quite an advantage in terms of what we can deliver to the retailer and how we can deliver to it. But we also want to bring in more technologies to understand what people are doing at the shelves more if they're engaging with physical products. And then behind the scenes as well, you know, we also are collecting all of this very valuable data. And the bigger our reach gets, the more information we have. So we'd also like to get to the stage where we can say, hey, this is what's happening in fashion in the UK this week. You know, this is how the profile is changing. This is what sort of, you know, products people are engaging with, how long they're spending in store. So we want to start offering value to the retail industry as a whole based off the back of our anonymized, pseudo-anonymized information. So uh, I suppose expansion, expansion of the technology and expansion of the insights to more retailers. Gosh, how exciting. This really does only feel like the start for you because there's so much that you can do. And look, most importantly, that you can offer the retailer who in turn can really support their customer. And I suppose at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to customer centricity, both for you with your retailer as a customer, but you're massively helping them, even though they're busy, they're understaffed. There's so much here that can help them grow their revenue too. So such an exciting time for you. It really is. Yeah, 100%. And I always say, you know, if we can get it working with retailers who have no time, wafer thin margins, improve the value, you know, there really is value in there. There really is a gap in the market for us to fill. So yeah, look, our goal is to just keep doing what we're doing, keep finding more and more benefits and keep making it a better product and a more seamless product for the end user. Well, do you know what? If I can understand it, I think anyone can. But look, if you've <laughs> if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please, please like and share it. Because as we've said, there's so much information in today's podcast. Connect with myself and Oren on LinkedIn or follow Visionor and the Retail Advisor across social media. And I'll obviously pop the website links in the show notes today as well. So remember, you can listen back to previous Retail Tea Break episodes on your favorite podcast platform or of course on YouTube. So today, Oren, thanks so much for your time. And thanks so much for having me, Melissa. Like I said, I'm a big fan of the podcast and had a blast. Thank you.